One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters, we watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 13 and Libby and Nate are 10. And I have two kids. Jay is seven and Kenny is four. They are pretty stinking adorable, aren't they? They sure are. (laughs) So we both like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. Deborah, what have your kids been up to this week? So at Libby and Nate's elementary school, February is readathon month, and they have like a friendly competition about who can read the most minutes in the month and so both kids are really focused on books and Libby really likes to read books about animals like where animals are the characters and so she's been reading like a book called Wolf Called Wander and then another one by the same author that's like a whale and then she kind of got into a series that that I think is by the author of like, the, are you familiar with the Warriors series? She started a new book last night and she was like, this is very similar to like this book and this book and this book. The animal loses its parents. And then the whole book is about how he needs to find a new family. And I was like, have you ever heard of genre fiction? <laughs> So it was really cute. Like we talked about plot formulas and um, genre and like things that go into different genres. So it was a very like teachable moment about predictability. (laughs) They're getting so big. They can understand these concepts now. That's so great. (laughs) How about your kids? Well, you know, I have been stressing out over my kids' extracurriculars for approximately the past seven years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have thus far not happened upon something that either of them have really taken to. But last week, we tried our first Taekwondo classes. Mm. And we walked in, and the woman was trying to get us registered. And the time was coming for Kenny's class to start, and she was super hesitant. And she said, do you think he would be okay if you stayed here with me in the office and finished his paperwork while he started the class out there? And Kenny is my second kid. He's way more independent than Jay, so I, I kind of laughed a little at her implication that he would be scared if I weren't there. Uh, and I right. said, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. And he just goes out there and takes to it takes to it like a little fish to water like no problem no hesitancy it was just very adorable to watch and I know that this doesn't speak to necessarily future enthusiasm but it was really great to have a first extracurricular experience that doesn't involve any cajoling on the part of the parent that is awesome good for Kenny yeah fingers crossed we've got kind of a heavy screen time in the news today 
Guys, this article was gigantic. So we read an article called Crushed from the Atavist magazine number 135 that came out in January of 2023. And the article was by Niall Capello uh, and it was called Crushed. It was an absolutely gigantic article. I'm going to go over the main outline here, but I'm not going to get too into the nitty gritty because it's kind of outside our wheelhouse for what we talk about here on this podcast. I just want to let you guys know that this article does include mentions of some pretty horrific behavior up to and including sexual abuse. As I said, we're not going to get into the details, but if that's a problem for you, you might want to skip ahead to our next segment. Quick summary, as quick as I can, because again, gigantic. So we have a mom. Would you say Jana? I would say Jana. Okay. So we have a mom, Jana Ramirez, and the article is about her difficulties with her son, YouTube star Jensen. So in an attempt to break her kids, Jensen and Liana, into acting, Jana moved from Texas to Los Angeles. Jensen was getting steady acting work when he responded to an audition for a role with a popular tween YouTuber named Piper Raquel. Ignoring the major red flags that seemed to have been present from the very first, like not allowing parents on set, not obeying rules about working conditions for child actors, Jana allowed Jensen to become a regular on Piper's channel as a member of what she calls the squad. This included engaging in fake relationships with other girls. Everything has gone as terribly as this beginning suggests it would. So Jensen found fantastic YouTube fame with the squad. Meanwhile, his mom finally found a backbone to question the increasingly abusive working conditions, including increasingly sexualized content, allegedly including drug use by minors and even sexual abuse. But by that point, Jensen was so immersed in this environment that he refused to leave. He is now completely estranged from his mother and there are legal proceedings against her to remove her from his life. Jana's husband has taken Jensen's side and the couple has divorced. This was a long, horrific story, reminding us that as instinctively icky as we feel about the YouTube content a lot of our kids watch, it can also be really bad for the kids that are participating in it. Last year, we read a refreshing profile of Ryan Kaji in, I think, New York Times Magazine or maybe just the Mm -hmm. Times. Do you remember? It was the magazine. Okay. And it made him sound, to our intense relief, fairly down to earth, and it portrayed his parents as caring and conscious in their efforts to protect their son from the corrosive effects of internet fame. This article obviously went really far in the other direction, and at least to me, it was pretty terrifying. There is no stopping YouTube. And as much as we might like it to be so, the line between professionally produced content on TV and the stuff that's produced for YouTube continues to blur. I'm super, super grateful that my kids are still young enough to be effectively monitored when it comes to this stuff, but this really scared me for the future as far as the things that they're going to be exposed to through watching YouTube, and oh my gosh, knock on wood, the things that they might choose to be involved in. How did you feel reading this, Deborah? I felt really like it was a gross situation all the way around. Um, I think we've read before about how California state law protects child actors. But I feel like I remember that 
those protections don't necessarily extend to like homemade content, like YouTube influencers. And so this, and the article goes over some of those laws and this just seemed so aggressively manipulative on the part of um, Piper's mother, both in terms of like the content that they were producing in order to get revenue from YouTube likes and views and the way she treated the squad members. Like there was a huge lawsuit of which I don't think Jonna was a part of, but the article author kind of used that to show that Jonna was in the right. I think Stephanie Piper's mom was in the wrong. I think this kind of stuff has been going on for a long, 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 long time though. Like think about Judy Garland and like other child stars who've I mean Britney Spears like that whole like search for fame just like chews children up and spits them out it's awful what if there's no safe content I know I really don't I don't think my kids watch stuff from like this right now but I can see how it's appealing like when I was a kid I wanted to watch you know like the Nickelodeon tween type shows Because they're like starring kids, you know, your own age with storylines that you're interested in. And like at the beginning of the article, I think it talks about how YouTube is just simply Gen Z's reality television, the way Nickelodeon was for us, I guess. But did we even have quote unquote reality content? I feel like there's a different layer here. And maybe it's just because I'm old. It also reminds me of the old Hollywood studio model where they would like pair stars together and make fake relationships and this is just sort of like a new spin on giving the public like that will they or won't they love interest gossip magazine feel only just a different like venue for it like clearly there's a desire for that type of content and the youtube machine is feeding it to young kids and these kids are like 10 to 14 they're young yeah I hear what you're saying about the historical precedent but I guess I just like the idea that however superficially Hollywood through legal protections was moving away from these abusive behaviors at least towards minors I'm I'm I guess I'm fine if like adults want to pretend that they're in a relationship together to feed some sort of publicity campaign. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I guess it just all seems so murky in the world when it comes to kids. I mean, the thing that made me wonder if Jonna was like embellishing or whatever is the fact that her husband (laughs) was like, no, he's going to keep being a YouTube star. That was shocking to me. Yeah, same. Her husband had continued to live in Texas while the whole rest of the family lived in LA. So he was so outside whatever was happening there that he's going to use what his kids tell him as like a strong barometer of how things are going. And that's the thing. Jensen, at least as portrayed in this article, he's been so indoctrinated into this culture Mm -hmm. that and he's happy with his level of fame that he doesn't necessarily see anything wrong with it or as at least making enough money that he can deal with like the Faustian bargain he's made by selling his 
life. Which is a decision that he's content. come to at, what, 14? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. This is terrifying. And it makes me even more scared of YouTube as much as I'm trying to, like, expose my children responsibly. And I know we talked in our episode about Minecraft playthrough videos about how I, Katie, need to become more comfortable giving my kids, or at least Jay, a little bit of independence in the things that he watched. So watches so they're not always mediated through me but it just seems so scary when then you hear about things like this parents don't move to LA to make your kids YouTube stars from my conversations with tween moms the key seems to be to get them into the dorkier YouTube channels early when you have more influence and hope that this affects their choices moving forward because they grow to actually like it. And because the algorithm will then feed them more dorky stuff mm. like that. What do you think of the strategy? I see no problem with going to YouTube for things like cooking videos, makeup tutorials, you always have cute hairstyles that you've learned from YouTube. That to me seems fine. But to follow this fake relationship drama of children is icky. And I don't want the algorithm feeding that to my kids. So I like that strategy of uh, dorkier content. Yep. Just loading up your feed with all the dorky content. I'm going to do that right after this conversation. I'm just going <laughs> to go search for all the science experiments. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's hopefully move on to a, a happier topic. Yeah, so this is follow-up from way back. I am curious. It's a new year. Do you have any new screen time rules? We haven't checked in about screen time for a while. Are you keeping it the same? Are you making any changes for your kids? We're definitely being more conscious about not giving automatic screen time like we are trying to do it in response to like well if you get all your chores done then you mm -hmm. can have some time on your ipad or whatever and then we're also a little bit freer with total screen time bans as punishments for things not that mm -hmm. i mean i have my kids are good kids but i think that more than anything seems to be their currency for like oh we understand we did do something wrong <laughs> if you take mm -hmm. away screen time <laughs> how that about you sense. Lately, Tony has been really trying his best to wear us down because we said, no, he can't purchase an M-rated video game. And he's being like super relentless about it. And so Jeremy and I are both kind of pushover types. So we've had like a couple conversations where we're like, we're still saying no, right? We're still <laughs> saying no. United front. <laughs> Just because it would be like easier to just say yes but it is like a super gory video game that I don't think a 13 year old should be playing so we just um he keeps bugging us about like what age he can be at and we just keep kicking the can down the road and saying we don't know yeah you're, <laughs> you're the experimental child answer. we don't know yet we'll have an answer for your younger siblings but <laughs> yeah and so I don't know we haven't really had to say no to content much yet but this was an instance where like we had to look up like a review of the game because we just weren't sure and luckily we did because it's not appropriate i do not look forward to having to have these exact same conversations i mean we're already in it a little bit when it comes to roblox games 
Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. But there's so many of those you can eat. I feel like you can easily say, look at this shiny new one over here instead. Yeah. But then that means I have to pay attention, Deborah. I don't care about <laughs> Roblox. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Have you watched anything good since the last time we talked? A cooking show. Oh gosh. I'm blanking on the name, but it has Richard Blaze. Remember him from Top Chef? That's been kind of a fun one. Ingredients come out on like a conveyor belt and the chef's the contestants can like bid for them. They start with a pot of money. I don't know. It's kind of a fun reality show. My kids have also stumbled across a pretty fun reality show on Netflix from Mexico. It's called in the US Pinata Masters, but I'm sure it has a Spanish oh. title. We've been watching it dubbed and uh, it's a little bit like your Lego Masters. Like you have teams of pinata builders that have to build pinatas based on a certain theme every time. And then they have little kids that come out and critique the pinatas, which whew, they're pretty brutal. And then they have like a creative way that they destroy the pinatas at the end of every episode. Oh, fun. Are there, is there candy inside? Sometimes I think there's just like confetti, but mostly candy. Okay. Should we talk about our main topic? Let's do it. Today, we are reviewing Ms. Rachel Songs for Littles YouTube channel. According to the description, Songs for Littles are toddler learning videos and baby learning videos that help children learn to talk, learn letters, numbers, colors, animal sounds, and more. According to a Today article published January 27th of this year, Ms. Rachel is a celebrity to the fore and under crowd and a musically inclined preschool teacher turned internet sensation and social media star. She started as, this is a quote, a real New York City preschool teacher named Rachel Griffin Accurso, who's making a big impact on children around the world. So she and her band, which includes her husband, Broadway composer Aaron Accurso, began the ch channel after their son was diagnosed with a speech delay. Ms. Rachel says she could not find a TV show that met her son's needs, so she decided to make one. She has a master's degree in music education from New York University, and she brings her viral videos to life in her one-bedroom apartment's recording, recording studio with help from puppets Georgie and Herbie, who are operated by her, her husband. And there is also a cast of musical and technical professionals who help Songs for Littles come to life. The videos are pretty simple. She employs close-ups of her mouth, building in pauses for responses, and using sign and body language to encourage speech and language. Why did we pick it? Longtime listener, first-time emailer, friend of the pod, children's librarian extraordinaire, and new mom, Katie Keekafer, wrote to us to make sure we knew all about the ubiquitous Ms. Rachel. According to our friend Katie, if you have a child under four and belong to any type of mom group on Facebook, like sleep training, baby led weaning, uh, the local buy, sell, trade type groups, Ms. Rachel is referenced all the time. In a casual, we're just watching Ms. Rachel during breakfast type of way. She's a close and personal friend that everybody knows and everybody does. So we, you, Katie, and me, we're out of the baby game. And so we were very intrigued and maybe looking to hashtag... Ms. Rachel for some SEO uh, game of our own. We watched two videos, Learning with Ms. Rachel, Learn Words and Colors for Toddlers, Educational Kids Videos, Animals. That is the garbage title of the video. Clearly, she knows what she's doing with the algorithm because it has 44 million views. We also watched 
baby music class, full class, great for babies, toddlers and preschool, toddler learning videos. <laughs> These titles are so funny. Do you want to start out by summarizing um, the first one? <laughs> yes, I would love to. <laughs> I'm super excited. I also have to apologize for the leaf blower in the background. So sorry about that, folks. Do I have to say the title again? So Learning no. with Miss Rachel dot 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 was a half hour segment with Miss Rachel singing songs and naming things and their colors that come out of various surprise eggs. Ms. Rachel is in the foreground of the screen while the clip art style animation of the eggs, animals, and words happen behind her. She speaks slowly. She uses lots of repetition. She emphasizes her mouth shape as she says words, often going so far as to point to her mouth as she's speaking. She incorporates sign language for various useful words like help, please, more. And she encourages at least a little bit of movement for the kids. I can definitely see how this is a pleasant change for parents from the Coco Melon, Little Baby Bum type animated nursery rhymes and songs that were so popular when Kenny was a baby. I think they hadn't mm -hmm. quite yet exploded on the scene when the twins were little. Right. We didn't watch any of those and Sesame Street was still on. I think with the thoughtful participation of an actual human, it's easier to imagine that there's an educational component here. Her exaggerated mouth positioning really brought me back to those early pandemic days when people were panicking that babies would never learn to speak because they never saw mouths. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I never heard her once encourage my kid to eat broccoli from a ball pit, so she's already leaps and bounds ahead of Blippi. Totally. As far as my enjoyment of the piece, there's just no scaffolding here for adults. There's nothing for grownups to latch onto from an enjoyment perspective beyond enjoying that it's a step above the usual content produced for this age range, I think. So I can see it being great for working with speech delays in the absence of or in addition to in-person help. And I I kind of see it as relatively harmless content you can tune out to and get something else done because 100% engagement for parents isn't possible all the time. Mm -hmm. We'll get into the music and stuff. I did read the Today Show article first. And so I was very curious about the husband and like the other cast members. And so I was pleased to see and listen that it was like sounded very professional. Clearly they're real musicians. I thought the music was great. That was my probably first overall impression. Do you want to take us through mu the music class? Baby music class. So I tried to pick shorter videos because we weren't too excited about watching like content for babies and toddlers. Um, so this is a shorter one made three years ago. The Learning with Miss Rachel was made more recently. And this one was very lo-fi production level. It was just like if your baby music class teacher made a home video. And that's what it is. She taught like early childhood music and she decided to make a home video with her friend Jules and her husband running the puppet. You can like clearly see the like a little bit messy apartment. The editing cuts are super obvious. There's yeah. no like fade in and out. It's just like super disjointed. But production level aside, I was very charmed by it because she and the the guitar player Jules, they sounded great. They had like beautiful harmonies. The little puppet Herbie was really funny. They pulled out the classic 
baby music class staple scarves. Uh-huh. They did a little bit with uh, a trombone where Herbie the puppet helps Jules play the trombone. I thought that was cute. It seemed a little bit disorganized in the way in which they went about the music theory concepts. Like I thought that the first video we watched was a lot better in terms of seamlessly (laughs) integrating the concepts. Like this was more like we are now going to do solfege but I liked it the fact that they were singing like the songs that they chose made me like a little bit copyright anxious like she reads aloud from the Eric Carl book I'm not a lawyer but I wondered if she needed permission and didn't have it she probably knows what she's doing but that made me a little bit nervous for her it was majority like folk songs repurposed with different lyrics though right for the most part I think yeah if you ran across them in like a music book the author would be traditional in the public domain. I, I would think yeah. so. Okay. I don't think anyone's suing over London bridges these days. Okay, good. Can I just tell you that there's not a music class I teach where I don't wish I could play the guitar casually during my uh, class? It would be so yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a piano in your space? No, and they recently moved me to an even crappier space, so um, let's not talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this is actually a perfect time for us to be recording this because I just taught my class before we came on to record, so I have baby music class on the brain. That's that's one of my, my questions for you is, how did she do as uh, one early childhood music professional critiques another? Uh, it's always nice to see that, like, I feel like my classes are pretty on par with people who have four mil- 44 million views on YouTube. So that was that was <laughs> nice for me to see. Uh, I thought she did great. She was very enthusiastic. Like I said, I was really jealous of the guitar. It's interesting what you said about the more in-depth musical theory concepts, because she did very briefly go into solfege symbols and very briefly go into the concept of quarter notes. More successfully, I thought she introduced the concept of tempo, Mm because that's something you can kind of do multiple songs in a class to drive home the point. But really, when you're looking at a group as young as like infants to very young toddlers, I don't, at least in my opinion, you're not going to get much mileage from trying to teach solfege, for example. Like, that's just not going to stick and you're not going to keep their attention to drill it into their head as much as you would have to if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I thought that Jules was a really nice contrast to uh, Rachel's exaggerated cheeriness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like she actually seemed like a real human being, which I found as an adult watching to be calming. So all that being said, did you like it? I loved it. Yay. How about you? (laughs) I think we need to get into the difference between liking something and appreciating something. Yeah, sure. Because I like this. I like that it serves a definite purpose and fills a need in the marketplace. Do I like to watch it? No. Right. Except from like a professional interest standpoint. (laughs) Right. But can we just talk about how much better this feels than Blippi? Because every single choice seems intentional. And Mm -hmm. not intentional from, like, the profit motive of the person making the video, but intentional from a child development or, at the very least, a child enjoyment standpoint, which Mm -hmm. felt very fresh when it comes to YouTube content that we've seen. 
Yeah, it was, it reminded me a little bit about the idealism behind like Danny Joe's show. Like he is a real early childhood educator who is using all of his knowledge and experience to create something very mindfully and like his heart is true (laughs) I can feel like Ms. Rachel is like in it for to do good in the world (laughs) yeah yeah you definitely got that sense more so than with our pal Blippi and he's just a goofy hack who's trying to get likes and I feel like Ms. Rachel really wants kids who have speech delays to learn how to use their mouth to make the right sounds yeah and we don't have to fault her for making a lot of money on this venture like both can be true she can be putting out a good product and be successful we don't have to poo-poo her for that but you asked in the doc if how I thought this compared with Cosmic Kids Yoga Mm -hmm. because you know we both really love Jamie and Cosmic Kids Yoga right I as a grown-up watching preferred Cosmic Kids Yoga because that was something I could kind of have fun with and participate in and sometimes she injects little plots into the yoga that you're doing and again there was none of that scaffolding for an adult to hold on to in Miss Rachel's programming Mm-hmm. Right. That's okay. It doesn't have to be for us. Right. Right. What were your thoughts on Rachel specifically? Did you find her fun or creepy? I thought she was fun. I wondered, okay, the two videos we watched, she was wearing overalls. Is that like the preschool show host uniform? Because remember um, Emily's Wonder Lab? Oh, yeah. She wore a lot of overalls. Like we always would joke when we were in library library school about like how children's librarians outfit slash uniforms like cardigan and like fun holiday themed necklace. (laughs) (laughs) So I wonder, I just had a question about is our overalls the, the uniform, but they totally work. Slow enunciation and constant repetition, I can understand. They serve a purpose. But I did find the relentless chipperness of her tone to be grating after an hour. Mm -hmm. Sure. More so in the color segment than in the music class. But again, that is my opinion as the grown-up watching and not necessarily as a child would see it. I feel like it's just a matter of time until she's spoofed on SNL. (laughs) She'd be so easy to Yeah, speak. yeah. Well, what did you think of Jules? I liked Jules. I liked that she she did seem like more of a fully drawn real person <laughs> that happened to be friends with like Ms. Rachel. Because Ms. Rachel's definitely putting on a persona, but Jules was just Jules. I think there is a video that is just Jules, which we'll probably never watch, but it's probably good. But if Jules is more your kid's speed, because, you know, there are some kids who like the baby voice and some kids that really respond poorly to it. So Mm -hmm. as with anything else, it's a know your own kid kind of situation. I wanted to talk a little bit about the husband, Aaron Accorso. He was in the elephant duet in the first video. I thought he was really good and he's running the puppets. I thought that was fun. I thought the puppets, the puppet, because we only saw one, right? Yeah. He was integrated really well into the music class and, uh... I thought Rachel and Jules both interacted with him very realistically. And there was one other instance where she had other people on screen. It was the one song in the first 
video that seemed the most like an actual music video. That was like, today I'm happy. And it was like very professionally produced and it was Rachel and another woman and then two men and maybe one of them was her husband. One of them. Yeah, one of them was. And they did like the, it's like a TikTok style thing where they just do a real abrupt costume change. That was fun. Yeah, I thought it was great. Again, like the production value seemed unexpectedly high. I don't care so much for the clip art style of animation from the first segment. How about you? Not my favorite, but it did seem a little more professionally pr- produced than the just the apartment video. I did like the little clips of the like kids and real animals, which I think that's just from some like content generator that filmmakers can have like a subscription to and like just pull clips and use them in videos I really liked the rainbow song I think that was my favorite out of all the videos that we watched I think that one must have been an original it's got like a bossa nova beat catchy tune shows like hands painting rainbows I liked that one a lot both that song and the little interstitial clips of live action kiddos during that video Reminded me very much of early Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Because totally. they employed a similar tactic. So I guess that was put in there to warm the parents' hearts. Yeah, that. Yeah, it had a very PBS feel to it. Any thoughts on the structure and length? 30 minutes to grown-ups felt long, but it's kind of the perfect amount of time if you want to sit your kid in front of the TV and cook dinner. I mean, if the audience is really babies, these videos are way too long, unless it's like the type of house where the TV is on all day and not to like judge anyone for that. But I think if you just have a TV on as like background companion, these are great because it's really innocuous, except there are ads, but I wouldn't expect a toddler or a older baby to be able to sit through an hour a lot of these are an hour so i mean that must speak to the fact that it is able to kind of capture their attention in the same kind of zombified way that coco melon does because why else would they exist in that format then i mean this youtube channel isn't made for me at all (laughs) but what i want is like just the rainbow song i want a video of just the rainbow song it's like how this isn't that what the story bots do? Like they have their episodes that you watch, but then you can also just watch the music videos. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I would actually love like a album of their original songs. I liked this more as something to listen to than something to watch, which isn't the point of the speech therapy part. But I, I thought the songs were good enough to listen to alone voluntarily. Oh, look at you. okay I just have to say I think that Rachel and the whole cast is super cute and I want to have like everybody over for dinner and I think they'd be fun parent friends wouldn't they be great to have over at your annual Christmas party where everyone brings their musical instruments I love musical theater people (laughs) that would be great yeah they just put on a show (laughs) (laughs) totally and I think that's probably why she's been so successful like She's likable for parents and the kiddos. Yeah, there's a chord of genuine feeling running through what she does, which given what we talked about at the top of the episode with our screen time in the news, it's just hard to find on Mm -hmm. YouTube and online in general. So, Mm -hmm. okay. What adult movie or show does this compare to? 
I mean, uh, you brought up how I enjoy watching various DIY tutorials on YouTube at the top of the show. And that's really what came to mind for me in terms of something that I would watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought about and I haven't watched this in ages, but the Martha Stewart show. Did she have a talk show? Well, she had like a home and garden type show back in the day, which she would she would show like how to fold a fitted sheet with an air of like, I know you haven't figured this out yet. And so I'm going to break it down for you. Like that type of attitude. She always and she always wore kind of a extra large like denim or chambray shirt. She had a real uniform um, and she'd do like cooking stuff and like crafts gardening things she'd talk about her chow chows miss rachel's consistency made me think of martha stewart's consistency and sort of the instructional value of her show although can you fold a fitted sheet now i can (gasps) shut up yeah if i don't leave my sheets like jumbled up in the laundry basket for days on end i can actually (laughs) fold it so it looks nice in the linen cabinet Oh my gosh, Deborah! I looked up to you before, but now we've just reached new heights. <laughs> <laughs> so were you able to um, cast a gritty HBO reboot of Ms. Rachel? Songs for Littles? Did you watch The Good Wife or The Good Fight or possibly both? Just The Good Wife. And I liked that a lot. Okay. Do you remember the character of Elspeth Tassioni? Yes. <laughs> all right yes. but for those of you who have not watched the show uh it is famously populated with a lot of eccentric side characters so elspeth is a lawyer that they sometimes bring in for her like kind of quirky insight she sees things in ways that other people would not I think her brand of distracted genius would be really fun for something like this. Yeah, totally. Maybe either with the spelling slash grammar slash pronunciation mistakes that grownups commonly make, like it's dog eat dog and not doggy dog, like something like that. (laughs) Or maybe teaching the actual lyrics to commonly misunderstood songs. I think either of those would be good. Oh, that would be good. I like that. How about you? Okay, so I would cast Beanie Feldman as um, Ms. Rachel and Jonathan Groff as the Broadway composer husband. And I would have them play like this couple who sort of accidentally gets big on YouTube producing songs for littles. And then they'd have a very scary talent agent. Um, played by Sophie Okonedo. She is a British actress. She's on Flack. Did you ever watch that? Is that the one with Anna Paquin? Yeah, she plays like a PR, just a ruthless PR agent. She's also plays like a MI5 higher up on slow horses. She's, I don't know, she's like very imperious. She speaks like the Queen's English. She's just (laughs) super intimidating and she would try to like boss these like very sweet and homey musical people around to try to get them to make as much money as possible I think that'd be a fun show I like it it kind of reminds me of the show from a few years ago about the British writers who came to California to adapt their popular British show for an American audience and it was like all about Uh. their culture shock and how gross and crass they found the whole industry. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like it. Very much would watch. So was it better when we were kids? I don't remember sitting down in front of the TV and watching a lot of quote-unquote educational content other than Sesame Street. How about you? I have a lot of fond memories of watching Reading Rainbow and Sesame Street and then the Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers spinoff. So I have a hard time thinking that it's better now than it was when I was a kid. Yeah, but that could just be our bias. Like everyone thinks the things that they're nostalgic for are better. (laughs) Totally. Absolutely. And then in a text, you brought up Sharon Lois and Bram. Oh, yes. I love Sharon Lois and Bram. You're right. I guess I never thought of them as overtly educational, but... (laughs) But like, they did songs for littles. Yeah, exactly. And they did great songs for littles. I still do their (laughs) version of Skinnamarinky Dinky Dink for my music class. Nice. That's a classic. Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? No, no. But again, it comes down to the difference between liking and appreciating something. But Mm -hmm. yeah, same. 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. My kids are way too old for it, but I would definitely recommend it for like I have a three year old niece. She's perfect. Given the quality of the content that you just find out there on YouTube, I would definitely recommend this for the younger set. My, even my kids are too old. Even Kenny is too old for it. So, But if you have a baby or a toddler, program this into your YouTube right now so then you keep getting fed anodyne content. Yes, and I will keep you updated on how this strategy is working for me. <laughs> Ratings? I would give it a five. I loved it. I thought it was great. See, this is where it's hard to rate something on the It's My Screen Time 2 scale, which is all about mm-hmm. how much I enjoyed watching it versus how good I think it is in the world. I wish I could give it mm-hmm. two ratings. I'm just going to punt and give it a three because I did not enjoy watching it, but I'm glad it exists. And I appreciate KDK pointing it out to us. Yeah, totally. Thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. If you enjoyed our show today, please share it with someone you think might enjoy it too. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyScreenTime2 or send an email to MyScreenTime2 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. You too can have an episode all about your suggestions, just like Katie did. Our website is myscreentime2.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV we watch with our kids because we have to, and sometimes because we like to. Bye! Bye! Bye!